Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League Review Show. It's a show that isn't celebrating just yet, but we're feeling champion nonetheless. On today's pod, we're revisiting a surprisingly straightforward trip to Goodison and a just as enjoyable watch at the Emirates, a game that surely sees an end to Arsenal's moment in the sun. We'll also be going around the grounds as the 22-23 Premier League season thrusts its way to a climax. To discuss all this, I'm joined as ever by my top flight cohort, Tom Young. Hi Tom, you there mate? Yeah, I'm here and I'm uh, yeah, like feeling pretty good about things today. I must admit, it, like you say, yeah. it's been a, a nice weekend for Man City once again. These nice weekends seem to be coming oh, what a day very often at the though. moment, so it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, perfect Sunday. It couldn't have got any yeah, better yesterday. Got- Super Sunday indeed, it was a, <laughs> yes. a, a, a hell of a day, so uh, yeah, like I say, these these pods have been very chirpy the last few weeks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've not got many of them left this season, but hopefully we can remain in these positive spirits uh, for the next couple of weeks anyway. Absolutely, yeah, I mean obviously big game on Wednesday, which we'll get to shortly, um, but suddenly now, I, I don't know, I'm looking forward, to, let's start with that, how are you feeling about the Chelsea game now? I'm I'm just actually looking forward to it. We've got we've got a free hit against you know a hated team in Chelsea at home yeah. to win the league. It doesn't get any better, does it? Yeah, it just stinks of us getting beat, doesn't it? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but no, it's. It, I mean, like you say, it's. I thought last week when uh, when Arsenal went to Newcastle and won, I thought, yeah, we we've, we're strapping ourselves in for another. We need another nine points on the on the uh, on the board here, thinking this is definitely definitely going down to, to the Brentford game which was I was a bit gutted about because I thought well I'd like to obviously I'm, well I'm not going to either the final two games this season I was like, I'd like to have seen us lift the title at home but mm. as long as we lift the title it doesn't really matter and then obviously what happened yesterday happens and all of a sudden I mean if, if we can get the result on Wednesday that we're after it'll be party central at the Etihad on Sunday and it, it'll yeah. be a uh, yeah, it'll be a, a tremendous day. So, very much looking forward to it. Didn't think it would be quite so straightforward that we'd be going into this game, potentially even as champions, because yeah, Arsenal yeah. have the tricky prospect of a trip to Forest on, on Saturday night, which, given probably the, the deflated nature of the squad now, which you expect to be understandably deflated after what's happened over the last, last sort of month or so, that's a very difficult game for them. So I'd mm. like them to get a result. I'd like to go and beat Chelsea to win the league. I think as a City fan, it'd, I'd just like it a bit more if we if we had to get something from the game just to make it a little bit more exciting. But yeah, yeah it's it does very much feel like it's a formality now as to when City win the title, not if City win the title, which is fantastic. And um, and yeah, the the sort of the long term effects of that looking ahead to the dreaded T word that as Asan referred to it this morning on Twitter, you think the fact that we may now have an opportunity to rest <laughs> players during that, that Brighton and Brentford week ahead of a couple more, hopefully a couple more finals. Um, yeah, it's it's all played into our hands perfectly. So yeah, it's been a, a hell of a weekend for Manchester City. Yeah, well, um, I'm trying to... We, we've won the league before now, haven't we, without playing? I can't bloody... My... my... Memory is completely gone. We had the year that um, Manchester United got beat at home by West Brom and all the lads That's went to the pub, it. didn't they? The company was in the pub Stones with John Stones and, and everyone, yes. yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, because was that when United had beaten us a week before, aren't they? 3-2 when we were 2-0 up. And then they went and got beat at home by West Brom the following weekend and mm. it just kind of 
like nullified that result. But yeah, that was I think that was a Centurion season, if I'm not mistaken. So it has happened before. I just I don't know. I always like it a little bit more if we can go out there and and win and you hear that exactly. full time whistle yeah. go and you know that that whistle means you're the champion so don't get me wrong if, if Forrest go and batter Arsenal on Saturday I'll enjoy that I'm sure I'll enjoy that as well but I would like to go into that game on Sunday needing a result of some description hearing that full time whistle go and knowing that whistle means you're champions just always feels a little bit better it does I'm trying to think of other examples ones that come to mind are Leeds in 91 I remember kind of Everyone was around at Lee Chapman's house or something and all the kind of TV crew were there. And again, that was United. Um, and what was the other one? I've... Happened with Leicester, didn't it? When Leicester, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea and Spurs at Stamford yes. Bridge, they were all, I think, at Jamie Vardy's house or something. <laughs> yes. I, I, remember, I remember the Sky cameras cut into that and thinking, bloody hell, Leicester have actually won the Premier League. It's bonkers. But it, it does happen. It has happened before. Uh, and it may well happen this week. But yeah, like I say, as a, as a, as a City fan, I'd, I'd rather us need a result on Sunday. Just yeah. to make it a little bit more exciting. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the game. What's made this a possibility? Um, did it surprise you that Everton didn't go full pelt at City? Um, they seemed to let us boss proceedings. They, they, they nullified as well in that first 20 minutes. No question about it. But it really felt like their best chance that afternoon was to just rattle into us and get the crowd behind them. And it seemed like Dyche had kind of instructed them not to do that. Um, did that surprise you? It did a little bit, I'll admit, because, I mean, we've not done a podcast obviously since, well, the last podcast we recorded was on the Monday just before, or just, I think, whilst Everton-Brighton was ongoing, and we were we were unaware of the result at the time, we were saying, well, we expect Brighton to get a result, and then it made life difficult for Everton, um, and I've, I've seen a lot of people talking about that and going, well, why didn't they play like they did against Brighton, but I don't think they played awfully differently against us compared to how they played against Brighton. Agreed. They just, yeah. every shot they had against Brighton at the back of the net, and it was, <laughs> yes. a, re- it was a real freak result in that in that regard, that yes, they won 5-1, but it wasn't a 5-1 game. It, watching the game as, as a neutral, Brighton dominated the ball and dominated the game for large parts. Just some, You get them games every now and again where just everything you touch turns to gold, and that, that happened for Everton on Monday. But you'd have thought with that confidence, with the fact they're at home, the fans were right up for it, obviously, after what had gone on on Monday. I expected Everton to come out fast. I expected Everton to try and peg us back early doors. Um, and like you say, they just kind of let City dictate the tempo of the game. And I've said this so many times that if you want to get a result against City, you've got to go at them. Every now and again, you get it where City have an off day. But And to be fair, for the first half an hour, we weren't we weren't at our best. But the minute that first goal goes in, and then obviously Haaland then, then doubles the lead within about two minutes of the first one in the back of the net, and it's game over. And you think... Well, City weren't quite at it for the first hour, if, first half hour, sorry. If Everton had, had had a go, and yeah, a couple of times he got forward. I thought Walker played really well um, again on on Saturday, on Sunday. Sorry, having played really well against Madrid in midweek as well. Um, yeah, I just think they, they they didn't really have anything to lose on on Sunday because the win against Brighton was unexpected. That they, they still have their, their fate in their own hands. This wasn't a game they would have been marking down as points when they're looking at where they're going to pick up points to keep them up. I thought they'd have a bit more of a goal. They didn't, and and then ultimately, once once that that quick fire double goes in for us late in the first half, it's the game's done as a contest essentially. And then, obviously, we we make it three early in the second half, and and that that pretty much wraps up the game. But yeah, I was slightly disappointed by Everton. Um, but yeah, another another great win for City, which looked for periods in the first half like it might be a bit more difficult than it ended up being. But ultimately, we we got the job done once again. 
Uh, I think is it 10 wins in a row in the Premier League? 11 Ele- wins in 11, a row in the Premier yeah, League? 11, yeah. yeah, just bonkers, isn't it? What, what, we do, what we do at this stage of the season is, <laughs> is unheard of and we do it year on year and it's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, great win for City. Disappointed by Ever- disappointed with Everton. Um, but, yeah, I think they they look at them final two games and you think, do you really want to put too much into this win? I think they got Wolves away and then uh, Bournemouth at home, yes. both of whom are kind of probably on the jollies mentally and, and ready for next season. So, yeah, Sunday was kind of a free hit for them. Thought they'd give a bit more than they did. They didn't. And, uh, and yeah, they, they go into them final two games needing results now. You know what? I, I kind of disagree with you. And, and I've heard this said by others on the pod and I've heard this said from um, lots of people going into the game. And I, I do kind of disagree with it. I don't think it was a free hit. I think they had three games remaining, two of whom uh, which were at home. Okay, of course there's a, a disparity in quality and of course we're the better team, but this was a home game for Everton that it, it offered him such a, an opportunity to be four points clear with two games to play. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it was a free hit. I, I, I think it was a wasted opportunity for them. They should have absolutely thrown a kitchen sink at us. And if they get battered, they get battered, so be it. Um, but yeah, I, I was really surprised that they took this approach which was almost kind of like trying to minimise City instead of trying to maximise themselves. I don't know. I, I think if you're looking at seven games to go, eight games to go, absolutely, I would 100% agree that City is a free hit. Um, this wasn't, I don't think. They're only a, they're a point above the rele- relegation zone. and It means that they essentially have to get something in one of these two games, or maybe even both. I don't think they've got it in them to do that. So... This was an opportunity to get three points, and and I just don't think they even went for it. But just staying with Everton quickly before we move uh, back onto City, what do they need to do this summer to improve? Where do they need to prioritise? Like an obvious one, I think was, and they've needed a centre forward for bloody ages. Mm. They can't keep relying on Calvert Lewin, can they? No, they can't. And I think Everton find themselves in not a dissimilar situation to to what Leeds find themselves in, in that. Bamford and Calvert-Lewin both had a good season, a good 18 months maybe at the top level. They're both obviously English strikers. They both know the league. I feel like the the two, Calvert-Lewin and, and Bamford as well, have both been afforded a little bit too much time on the basis of not that much to kind of to show for it. Um, Calvert-Lewin's injury record isn't great, similar with Bamford as well. And, and yeah, they brought in Mope and he's just been a disaster. I don't think a lot's been said about quite how bad he's been for Everton. I think it flashed up on, on Sunday that he's not scored in, in 26 Premier League games or something crazy like that. So, yeah, they, they need they need a striker. They need a, someone who's going to, even if they're only scoring 10 goals a season, they just need somebody who's in the back of the net on a, on a semi-regular basis, which they don't have at the moment. Um, but yeah... I mean, the, the back four is not, not great if they keep Pickford or not, even if they stay up, whether Pickford stays. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Spurs maybe go after Pickford in the summer with Lloris on his way. They could do with keeping hold of, of Pickford, but I, I don't think that'll happen. Um, but the, the team on paper just isn't really that bad. They just they just lack goals. They really yeah. do. And it's strange to say that for a side who scored five at the Amex on Monday, but they just need somebody who... Is gonna especially in a, in a, if Dyche is to stay and they're gonna play kind of the style of football that Dyche plays, which doesn't create loads of chances. But you just need someone who's who can hit the back of the net sort of forty percent of the time, and they've just not got that at the moment. That that is the the main area of concern. And ultimately, if they do go down, it will be through not having that sort of 
clinical finisher. The kind of what Richarlison has done for him the last couple of years, which again seems ironic now considering how poor he's been in front of goal at Spurs. But yeah, they've just they've just missed that this season um, because I don't think this squad, comparatively to those around them, they've got one of the strongest squads in that in that relegation battle and one of the better managers as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, they shouldn't really be going down. I, I do still think they'll stay up because. I just I'm not sure I can see Leeds or Leicester picking up a point, to be honest with you, in the in this final running. And I think they may ultimately stay up with what they've got now could keep them up. Um but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how it uh, unfolds. Yeah, it's a huge game tonight, obviously the Foxes against uh, Liverpool. Um Neil Morpay, how, how many games was that, did you say, without scoring? It, it came up, it was it was twenty something. I'm trying to find the stat now. See, it came I, up I on Scouts. Yeah, I could you go could 20 games yeah. without scoring in the Premier League. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I would do that for a tenth of his wages. So Everton are saving money if you're getting the same amount, same return. Oh, they've, they've missed out there. They really have. Um, we've got to talk about Gundo's first goal. Just, I love goals like that. Very Bergkamp-esque. Just unique, improvised. The kind that you have to explain to someone, you know, and, and it's difficult to explain. Um, on first look as well, you, you're kind of thinking, what happened there? How did he do that? Um, and it all becomes kind of apparent on, on replay. Just love that man. Um, yeah. Two goals, an assist, a brilliant overall performance. We can't afford to let him go this summer at any cost, can we? No, we can't. Um, and I, I've seen a lot said about about Gundogan and and there's been a lot made of apparently City only offering him a year when he wants to and Barca are offering him two and if that is the case that is one of the most outrageous decisions I have ever heard from Manchester City's board to if it is a case of only offering him an extra year if he only wants one more year than what we're willing to offer him give him three years give him how many years give it give him five years like. This maybe not five years, maybe pushing the pushing the boat a little bit too far there, but a two year deal for a, for a club captain who's he's only just early into his thirties as well. We're not talking a Fernandinho situation where yeah. he's 36, 37, his legs have gone and he's not really offering that much on the pitch. Gundogan has been so so important to Manchester City this season, and he has got another. I'm genuinely convinced he's got another two three years left at the very top of his game. Um, he's never been a player who's overly relied on pace. And he's not. It's not like the older he gets, he's going. He, obviously, he's going to lose a yard of pace. But that's never been a massive part of his game anyway. He's a lot of his games just about him being a just a stupidly intelligent footballer mm-hmm. who knows how to get into those positions in the box. And I've compared him to kind of a Lampard before in the way that he just arrives late into the box and knows where the ball is going to end up. And uh, was it the was it the twenty eighteen season maybe where he finished as our top goal scorer? I know it was later than that. Sorry, it was it was one of the COVID years, I think. Yeah. Um and. Again, I mean, four goals in two games for a centre midfielder in two really big games for Manchester City, scoring goals at the right time, scoring goals when we need when we need him to. And yeah, we've got to do everything we can to convince him to stay at the club. Um, and I, I genuinely believe if we, if we offer him the right deal, I believe he will stay. Um, I don't think it's a case of maybe like you see with Bernardo Silva where he's been pining for an exit for a while and, and kind of he wants to go, but he will stay if nothing comes in. I think if we offer Gundogan the terms that he wants, I don't see any reason why he would leave Manchester City this summer. Um, so yeah, as far as as far as Tiki and and Ferran are concerned, get that man in the in the boardroom and give him a blank contract and tell him to write down his terms and just just make him sign a deal, make him stay. 
Um, especially, obviously, with it now looking increasingly likely that Bellingham comes to City this summer. We just make our, our transfer window that much easier if, if we know we've got Gundogan there for the next season. So, yeah, yeah just make the man stay by whatever means necessary. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.